Happy holidays from all of us at the Pulse of New Hampshire. I am J-Dog of the Pulse of New Hampshire, and joining me right now is a true run assance man. Man keeps his New Year's resolutions, sticks to them all year long, all decade and all century long, too. Hasn't reached that, but he will. Uh, he is also a author. He is a doting father. He is a doting grandfather. He is a loving husband. Also, uh, Steve Ballmer's roommate at Harvard and also an author as well as a baseball awards presenter. And he is also the president and CEO of Northeast Delta Dental and the host of Northeast Delta Dental Radio. Many superlatives, whether it's 2022 or 2023, it's Tom Raffio. Thanks, Jay. And of course, you know, Northeast Delta Dental is the longest running show on the pulse with the same host, never mail it in. <laughs> Same host with Curly here. But anyway, I'm going to bring you everywhere I go, Jay, because I appreciate that, that. that intro is outstanding. And <clears throat> I have to continue to run in the Millennium Mile because even though that's technically in 2023, it counts for the 2022 series. And I'll be one of only a handful of runners that have run in every single one of their 35 or so races. However, um, very slowly, but nevertheless, um, as someone once said, most of life is showing up so correct there i go so you mentioned i'm an author so this is actually great timing because with me is james mckim who is also an author james welcome thank you for joining us thanks so much for having me tom and you know um what the struggles are in terms of writing a book and we'll we'll get into that your book is fantastic and i know you had a recent book signing at the bookery which you know went uh really well but tell tell the listening audience um the rest of your background including being the president of the manchester new hampshire naacp but also the managing partner of organization ignition organizational ignition sure well thanks um and it's been a really interesting journey i started my career off as a technologist actually uh, in the technology industry i uh, got degrees in computer science and philosophy and I like to joke that um, I can explain what a bit and a byte is, and, and I can theorize to their actual existence. <laughs> um, so with that, I, I spent, as I said, many years in the technology world. I've worked for companies like Digital Equipment Corporation. Um, HP was my last big corporate stint. Um, I started a couple of companies along the way um, in the asset tracking world. Um, back when the, the technology uh, that lets you um, communicate around the world was pagers uh, rather than uh, the cell phones and the technology we have today. Um, and when I left HP uh, in 2018, um, I, I was looking for a way to utilize all of the experience I'd gained over my career. And, and I had done not just building technology, uh, but managing organizations. Um, and um, that was also the time, uh, shortly after that, uh, 2020, the murders of George Floyd and Aubrey and Breonna Taylor happened. And I'd already been doing work in the Episcopal Church. Um, and in fact, one of my nighttime hats, I like to say, is a chair of the Episcopal Church's National uh, Executive Council Committee on Anti-Racism and Racial Reconciliation. So I've been speaking around the, the country on uh, racial reconciliation issues for years. But in 2020, there was this, this seemed to be this confluence 
in, in my mind. And it was like the merging of the streams almost of my, my past life. Um, and I started to think about, so how does this issue of really diversity, not just racial reconciliation, but diversity overall, a broad term definition, which we'll probably get into in a minute, but how does this impact organizations, right? We, we, we talk about diversity and racial reconciliation from a social justice perspective, but I started thinking, how does it impact organizations? And what's the benefit for organizations? And I started doing some research and looking around and I really didn't see anybody writing about it. So I said, well, maybe this time to write this book and talk about the organizational performance benefits of diversity. And that was the, the genesis of the book. And it's a terrific book. It's called The Diversity Factor, Igniting Superior Organizational Performance. Uh, as mentioned, James has had a book signing at the Bookery and I think you're gonna be at Gibson's and Concord probably as well soon. And of course you can also get it on Amazon. And as uh, James was finishing his book, I was finishing my book on crisis management. And we were sort of commiserating that the, writing the last 10% of the book is always the struggle, James, right? Because you have the, the sort of unhappy thing of checking every single fact. Oh, yes. Your book and my book have, in addition to sort of national themes, do have local flavor so that uh, people would pick up on any inaccuracy you know, that we did. <laughs> and it was a struggle, but you obviously uh, you know, managed to do a great job. And I urge the listening audience to purchase it either at the bookery or, or go on Amazon, The Diversity Factor, Igniting Superior Organizational Performance. And I think why that book is, why the book is so important is um, we really do have to be innovative in how we, uh, we measure um, DEI related diversity, equity, inclusion, all of us, of course, have the standard measurements. So, you know, what's our board comp comp composition. So like James, I've been at this, you know, way, way before, you know, the events of 2020, Connie Rojakowski, our VP of human resources and I for like 25 years, finally managed to get, uh, you know, gen first gender balance on the board. And we have 41 board members. 22 of whom are women and then we worked on uh, on bipoc BIPOC composition and we're like at 18 percent. so we've been working on that and as james said um, he's been at it for a long time as well but the events of 2020 really precipitated him you know writing the book so when you were writing the book well one thing you said was there ironically uh and maybe there's more now because of your book and and a few others but there wasn't um, a lot of materials. So you had to do a lot of uh, original research. So tell us other things that you found um, uh, surprising or interesting, um, and then how you then put pen to paper from there. Right. So yeah, you, you're right. There, there wasn't a lot, and there's more now. I wouldn't say it's because of my book, but I think it, the, the, the message got out, or people started thinking the same lines I was thinking, that there needs to be this organizational focus on it. Um, a couple of surprising things, a few surprising things that that I found in my interviewing uh, business leaders from around uh, around the world. Um, for many organizations, there is this desire to live into diversity, equity, and inclusion, um, and there's this perception in some that they're actually doing it. 
And this is actually backed up by some research I did uh, working with the New Hampshire Center for Nonprofits. We surveyed them and asked them, so what's your level of knowledge and comfort with diversity, equity, and inclusion? And the responses came back that they felt that, that the knowledge was pretty high. But in answering the other questions about what are they actually doing, it was very clear that they didn't really know how to live into it. Uh, so that was a little surprising. The surprise was the people thought that they were, uh, they knew as much as they thought they knew. And this kind of fits in with the Dunning-Kruger effect, where if you think you know a little bit about something, you think you know a lot about something. Um, so that was one of the, the, the surprises that, that came up in, in this research. Um, another surprise that came up <laughs> is that uh, when I speak with boards, um, I speak with boards about, you know, how does diversity, equity, inclusion play into the board? What should the board be thinking about? What should the board be doing? And being a philosopher, one of the, the first questions I ask is around definitions. You know, what's your definition of a good board? What's your definition of a good board member? And in that, I ask, so what are the three duties of a board? Right. And you know the three duties of the board because you're, you're living them, right? Duty of care, duty of loyalty, duty of service. But board members couldn't repeat what the three duties of a board were. So that confirmed to me that the whole notion of talking about organizational performance at its very basic core was going to be very valuable to people. Because you start with what is organizational performance? And what are the duties, what are the roles and responsibilities of everyone in the organization? And everything else flows from that. And you start with those overarching questions and principles. And like you said, it, uh, you know, it, it flows from there. Also, for the listening audience and the uh, spirit of transparency, you know, James has done uh, training, uh, interactive training uh, with Delta Dental employees, both back in April on inclusive leadership and in, in this summer in June on how to have difficult conversations, hugely high marks. And that's part of a, uh, what was good. It was as part of an overall, you know, training program we have. Um, and we also have Jermaine Moore and many other very, very well-known uh, trainers that have really helped Northeast Delta Dental. Cause like you said, James, it's the education, but then the, you know, the, uh, the actionable items, which are, um, somewhat lacking overall, like you said. And part of that, I think, is because people don't know sometimes uh, exactly what to do. The other thing in terms of the spirit of transparency, and I, um, both James and I are on the New Hampshire Ju Judicial Branch Steering Committee on Diversity and Inclusion, and Chief Justice Gordon McDonald and other leading judges are really authentically uh, trying to uh, work this topic um, in a very complex judicial system, which you think of in terms of, well, the judges, but it's way more than that. It's as you walk into the courtroom, et cetera. And um, while we certainly in, cor in corporate America think that we have some you know, complex topics to uh, implement, it's even more so in the community with the uh, Judicial Branch Steering Committee, um, as we've seen it. And James has been extremely helpful with that group and, and recently, you know, we had a community forum in Manchester, and I was really pleasantly surprised, James, with the uh, the fact that the citizens who were there, unaffiliated with the steering committee, were really 
quick to share a lot of good insights and um, after the after the break maybe we can talk a little bit about that so jay what do you think this is exciting isn't it absolutely it is james mckim is the guest this week on an all-new edition of northeast delta dental radio and he is uh, organizational ignition go to organizationalignition.com. we'll talk more about that and a whole lot more on this edition of northeast delta dental radio after these words on the pulse of new hampshire this is the Pulse of New Hampshire. I am Jay Dog, alongside Tom Raffio, President and CEO of Northeast Delta Dental and the host of Northeast Delta Dental Radio. This week's guest is James McKim, organizationalignition.com. And you guys are having a fascinating discussion, and I want to get back to you on that right now. It's like we're on a couch together talking or at one of our meetings. So let me put in a book commercial. Um, I've uh, My copy of James's book is dog-eared with all sorts of notes, but um, the way I would characterize it is if you want guidance to help you increase market share, <clears throat> excuse me, innovation, customer satisfaction, and employee satisfaction, which might even be the most important thing because if your employees are happy, they're going to, and that's the secret, one of our secrets of success. If employees are happy, they deliver beautiful external customer service, which, which grows the company, which in turn, gives employees promotional opportunities that makes them happier and it's a beautiful circle and i think that's the great thing about james's book well certainly it will help you design innovative dei metrics to put your feet to the fire it's also more of a strategic book to help improve company performance and it's i'm a big believer in the ball the baldridge framework and there's a lot of what james says in his book you know on that and you can get that uh, it's called the diversity factor igniting superior organizational performance you can get that at the bookery and on amazon um, before we get into uh, what i was starting to set, talk about the new hampshire judicial diversity inclusion group tell us um, um, your role as president of the manchester naacp and and that's an incredible responsibility so where do you have time to do that and and what what is what what do you what do you do as the if, if you will, as the face of the franchise for the NAACP of Manchester. Sure. Thanks for that question. So when do I have time? My wife says I don't have time, but <laughs> you, you fit it in anyway. Um, so my role there is, is really, um, I, I see my role as, as the, the chief cheerleader <laughs> um, and um, someone who, because we're an all-volunteer organization, unlike some other uh, larger uh, branches, and there are 3,000 branches of the NAACP across the country, um, and we're all actually a separate 501c4 organizations. So my role is just like the head of any uh, really 501 or any organization. Uh, I'm responsible for making sure that um, the, the mission of the organization is carried out, and that's as you might uh, um, know around um, ensuring the uh, rights and freedoms of all people of color. Um, and uh, that's the strategic aspect. And the operational aspect, uh, I oversee uh, several committees. We have an education committee, an economic justice committee. Uh, we have a health committee. We have an environmental justice committee. Uh, and all of those committees are running programs, doing events, holding meetings. And so my job, I see my job is A, keeping all that going and providing resources and um, eliminating the roadblocks for the people who are doing that work. 
uh, and also being out in the public elevating uh, the work of the organization and ensuring that the voice of people of color is heard uh, predominantly in the greater Manchester area. Although, as you know, I, I have a, a larger role in the state uh, when it comes to the NAACP as well. So that's that's uh, what I do. I'm out and about speaking. I'm I'm cheerleading. I'm encouraging our volunteers to think big. Uh, that's one of the things that I, I try to stress: think big about what we can do to achieve our mission and to make this world really a better place uh, for everyone. You do you do such a great job, and I uh, really really admire you. I also uh, do work with the Black New England Conference um, yeah. and Trail and Fort Smith, and they're also uh, while located in the seacoast, they're trying to also have this, you know, broader, you know, statewide presence to make sure people understand um, African-American history in New Hampshire, which is very robust. And a lot of people don't uh, realize that. Before we get into the Support Minority Business New Hampshire campaign, can you spend about two minutes on the, on the what I was talking about before the break, the New Hampshire Ju Judicial Branch Steering Committee and our most recent... Uh, event where we got the public to share some of their concerns and where we're making some progress and where we're not. And as you and I have both tried to say to the group, I mean, if we're going to make probably some mistakes along the way, but if there's authenticity um, and it seems that the judges really are authentic and, and uh, from the top, from Gordon, from the chief justice, um, and there was some really moving comments by uh, you know, one of the judges that he didn't he didn't really see, you know, where maybe he had some biases and the fact that he was willing to share that, um, I think really created the, uh, you know, the credibility. So we have obviously a much longer journey, but what, what are some of your observations being involved uh, with, with that group, which inclu inc includes uh, some incredible people like yourself? Right. Um, well, I, I just echo that it, it is authentic and um, as the success of any DEI effort, uh, it starts with the top. And the Chief Justice, he gets it. He understands. Um, and he, he started this work actually when he was Attorney General, um, when he was over at the AG's office. And when uh, the governor asked him to come over to uh, the Justice Bureau, uh, he brought that, that desire to improve uh, over with him. And uh, if you talk to the judges, and I've talked to many of the judges throughout the, the court system, um, uh, they all point to him as being the catalyst and the authentic driver of this work. Uh, and you mentioned uh, Judge, uh, Judge Ruoff uh, at the event we had uh, mentioning and being very vulnerable, which you don't see judges. You, you don't, we don't talk to judges or see judges in the public sphere, really. Um, and both Judge Ruff and Judge Carbon were very, very vulnerable, shared their thoughts and feelings, and you could tell that they were authentic. And from meetings I've had with them, I can tell you they are absolutely authentic. They want this. They know that this is necessary uh, to improve the way that justice is dispensed here. And this, uh, and I said this at the event, this is a historic moment. We've never had the opportunity to have these kinds of discussions before. And we it's have amazing. And, and the feedback, the written feedback, the oral, oral feedback, after some brief presentations by the, chief, by the Chief Justice and James and others, we broke into smaller groups 
and people were really good about sharing and all of this was captured and as james said that it is very very much authentic um long way to go um but i think i think we're 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 certainly you know on the right track and it, it's great that james is engaged in that <clears throat> again his book is called the diversity factor igniting superior organizational performance and i did give a copy of that book to chief justice because at some point all all this work we're doing we do we do have to start measuring it let's talk a little bit about support minority business new hampshire campaign what the what the campaign is how it's funded and what the benefits are so the the campaign started um as um a thought that that a number of us on the economic justice committee had um and we got a number of requests from people asking, so where are there minority businesses that we can patronize in the state? Um, and there have been a languishing list uh, of New Hampshire businesses um, that are minority owned for a while, but it, it's just really, really out of date. So I said, well, let's take this list and put it on the NAACP website. We've got a bit of visibility. Um, let's leverage that. Uh, and so we said, let's leverage it uh, in a couple of different ways. One, to create visibility of businesses in New Hampshire who are owned by people of color. And we have about 180 or so on the list right now. And this is statewide. But the other thing we said we wanted to do with this list is to make sure that um, the owners were aware of opportunities for helping them to increase their businesses. For example, the PPP loan uh, came out and we found many businesses were not aware of the fact that those loans were available or how to get them. And this is um, a lot of work done by Dale Moano of Dale Moano Consulting to recognize that and highlight that and bring that to our attention. So the, the, the campaign, uh, we said, let's put a wrapper around these two focuses of um, creating visibility for businesses and making sure that businesses have the information that they need to to be successful. Well, it's great that Dale's involved with that. He's highly highly energetic and yes, and knowledgeable. Now, how do you like any list? Um, how do you keep that up to date? You know, businesses emerge, some close down. Um, um, how do you make sure that that list stays you know up to date and uh, and how will that list be, you know, leveraged, you know, in the future? Right. So we, we keep it up to date by having someone. And this is, um, as we see on the bottom of, of the, uh, the page of the list, we have a list of minority owned business. It's powered by Citizens Bank. Citizens Bank made a major donation to us to really create the list and to get it up to date and to maintain it. So we have someone who's actually uh, helping to maintain that list, as well as uh, any minority-owned um, business can add itself to the list. So we're constantly getting new businesses as the list gets advertised. That's we're great. also uh, looking to transition the list, since it's really a statewide list, to the new Business Alliance for People of Color, um, because that's a statewide entity that focuses on businesses at that state level. So we created it, the NAAC but since we're just a Manchester branch, we want to make sure it's available and maintained at a statewide level. You're always thinking outside the box and making sure we're statewide. And you're such a resource, both 
um, in on the topic of you know DEI metrics for your book, the diversity factor igniting superior organizational performance. And for my business CEO colleagues out there, it really is a book about performance excellence. Um, it's proven if you have a diverse board, if you have a divorce uh, employee workforce, you're going to, you're going to be uh, you know you know more successful. And of course, your role as the leader of the NAACP of New Hampshire is is terrific and also on the New Hampshire Judicial Branch Steering Committee. So James, thank you. And uh, we'll, you know, if we want to have you on again, we'll talk, because I'm also a big cross-country skier and I did uh, sing karaoke at a recent a holiday party. So we'll have to test test out our vocals. I don't want to play you in tennis, so I haven't played since, uh, since high school. So James McKinn, thank you so much. You're a true resource and leader in New Hampshire, Jay. Yes, thank you, James. It's James McKim on this week's edition of Northeast Delta Dental Radio. Organizationalignition.com is the website for more information, as well as uh, NAACP of Manchester.com uh, as well. For James and Tom Raffio, President and CEO of Northeast Delta Dental and host of Northeast Delta Dental Radio, I am Jay Dog. We'll be back with another edition next time of Northeast Delta Dental Radio here on the Pulse of New Hampshire.